It is podcast time, hockey fans. Thank you for watching this Dan K. Show production presented by the Pueblo Bulls. There is nothing potentially worse or more annoying than waking up to the sound of a leaf blower. And I think for me, the problem really solidified itself this morning because the town that I live in has a noise ordinance from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. At 7.59, all three leaf blowers and one lawnmower started up in unison. And to me, there is nothing worse than the unholy cacophony of a gasoline-powered leaf blower starting up in the morning. It is one of those sounds that is so atonal and grating that you cannot, you cannot ignore it. Your brain is wired to focus only on that sound because when you have a leaf blower going, it's, it's a certain pitch. And the problem is, is when there are two going, they are at slightly different pitches. So your brain just locks in on that sound. And if you had any desire to sleep in, if you had any desire to maybe catch a couple extra Z's in the morning because you have a long day of recording, it is now impossible. Dan, I remember there is a town in Massachusetts, Newton, Massachusetts, just south of Boston on I-95. And I cannot remember the name of the brewery. I will look it up to give them some props because they have fantastic stuff. But they made a beer to commemorate the ban on electric leaf blow or on gasoline leaf blowers in their town. And I thought to myself at the time, what an odd thing to make a beer, to name a beer after. And I get it now. Oh, 100%. I would, I am seriously considering running for office on the sole single issue platform of banning the gasoline powered leaf blower in the town of Nutley, New Jersey. It is, it's incomprehensible to me how these things are still around. Before I get into that, I want to say buzzword. Lucas said our word of the day, <laughs> which of course is cacophony. And cacophony, <laughs> those of you who don't have a definition of, a cacophony is when you get a, if you're you, you're really good and you're able to get a good mixture of water dwelling seabirds into one room with good acoustics and they create a cacophony, which is a symphony for birds. That's your word <laughs> of the day. And Lucas, did I get that definition right? Um, I I don't think so, but I will say this. I wouldn't be surprised if there is, you know how they, they get creative with the group names of animals. I would not be surprised if there is an animal whose group name is a cacophony. It's a really good name. What is a group of crows called? Is it a murder? It's a murder. It is a murder. Is there what a name for a group of flamingos? Me, what, a flamingo? Yeah. Uh, I figured I you'd would be the person to ask. I would imagine they're just a flock. I think I'm flamingos. Let's let's. You know what? We've got Google at our fingertips. I've been doing a lot of research this morning <laughs> on more important things. Flamingo, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything more important than this right now. A, whoa, whoa! What is it? Big news: a flamboyance of flamingos, whoa. which is actually quite funny because I was on the golf course here at Innisbrook. Shout out Pete Kamek and Bob Turo. And I was on the course here at Innisbrook tearing it up. 
absolutely just dotting fairways and, and greens. And I saw a flamboyance <laughs> of flamingos. They weren't very pink, though. Why do flamingos turn pink? They're actually white birds. Why, Lucas? Because their diet is heavy in shrimp. They only eat shrimp. So if you want to look pink, if pink is your favorite color, <laughs> like Stephen Tyler, eat as much shrimp as possible, <laughs> and you will be beautiful one day. Just a, a dollop of shrimp with every meal. I don't Just see, I, I don't know if there's any any issues with that. Dice it up. Yeah, you can mix it in with everything. It's like a good protein. Yeah. I just, I love the fact that as I told you that I was getting ready to complain about this in the podcast this morning, your leaf blower person started up. I mean, and the thing is, they're hard, they're incredible. They do. There is not a leaf in the town of Nutley, New Jersey after they are done. Yep. But it's, is it, is it worth it? I, I would say no. Um, and, and you look at, look at the work done here at beautiful Stillwater. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it just feels like it's every day that I get the wave at this great, it's a great person behind the leaf blower. Okay. Oh, yeah. we, never, we never talk enough about the guy or gal behind the leaf blower. We talk too much about the leaf blower itself, but when you make noises like a leaf blower makes and you're around all too often, it just, it, it's tough to talk about the person behind it anymore. <laughs> Wave, they're so nice, so polite. But again, I don't want to be on a first name basis with my leaf blower person. I don't want that. But what I do want to do, Lucas, before we get into the more serious conversation at hand, we did the power rankings this past week, and there nice. were misses aplenty from the Dan K show, but that's what the first one's all about. We haven't seen enough hockey yet, and guys start to prove us wrong. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit of a mess. Um, we thought we had a pretty good handle on it. We even gave it an extra week to to see some hockey in person, um, to watch some games at the Ice Vault, to call a bunch of games at Bridgewater Sports Arena. Um, and we thought we had a good handle on it. But I think one of the things that's early on in the year that I think everyone will kind of appreciate is that you really don't know there. There's really not been your teams are still adding guys, right? I mean, we've all, we've all seen that, that teams have been adding players. I think a lot later this year than we'd seen in previous years um, due to a number of factors, but that that's the, the environment that we're currently living in. And I think that's part of it, but I think the other part of it too is, you know, teams, the regions kind of get off to, to different staggered starts, right? Um, you have the the teams in the Midwest that start a little bit later, the teams in the Southeast and Florida that start a little earlier. Um, so it it gives us a different amount of data points for each team. But even all of that considered, Dan, I, I just really don't see how we missed some of the things that we missed. Yeah, I mean, MJDP comes out, they beat Fort Wayne. Um Toledo, I can I can confirm. I don't want to give away my source that them beating Metro in overtime, coming from behind in the third period, that we may or may not have been a part of that uh, second <laughs> intermission speech from the coach in the locker room that woke the boys up in Toledo and got them that win. Um, Charlotte, I can confirm we're a part of that speech. 
before they took on the Richmond Generals, who were put at one above them. Um, I can confirm that the Minnesota Squatch are very good at chirping already. They are locked in, <laughs> and they have chirped us for being outside the top 20. Um, I can confirm that there were multiple other moments in this top 20 and outside of it where teams were using the Dan K show as bulletin board material. And that is the point. That is what we want. Yeah, that is very, very cool. I am, I am all about that. I mean, it is, it, it goes to show you, right. That when you, when you take a shot at it and you try to treat, not when you try to treat, when you treat these teams and these players, like they're professionals, right. When you talk about them in the same way that, that, People talk about NHL players when you cover them the same way that you cover NHL players. The the players at the junior hockey level, as it turns out, shockingly enough, really enjoy that and really respond to that, right? And and they put up some incredible performances, right? Because they they took something personally, they went out and they changed it. And you know, I, I think this shows that there is a, a wide a wide swath of the USPHL. That is, I think, really committed to doing both parts of junior hockey, which is winning hockey games and developing players. And when you have a team that can look at something that's said about them and take it personally and go out and have that bolster your play, you know, find that uh, find that extra gear to put up the dub. I mean, I, I just think that that reflects really well on the players, reflects on the programs, reflects on the coaching staffs. Right. It's it is it is great to see. I, I never we always want to be right. But at the same time, Dan, we always say we never root for anybody. We just want good hockey. And there was some yeah. really, really good hockey this weekend. hundred percent. You look at the Carolina Junior Hurricanes in the in the premiere as well. I mean, they take on the number 10 overall Hampton Roads Whalers and beat them both games in the elite and the premiere. They, they proved us right in the elite. But in the premiere, we had them outside the top 20. All of a sudden, it's another team proving us wrong. And Lucas, let's play a quick game. We're going to talk more. You can watch our Thursday episode. You can see more of us talking about our hits, our misses, our swings, our strikeouts, our home runs, and everything in between on our video episode Thursday on YouTube. If you're watching this in the future, go back to YouTube. You can find our episode. But, Lucas, let's play your favorite group of birds' name before we get to the big stuff. <laughs> Crows are a murder. A Congress or a horde. Cardinals are a college of cardinals. Flamingos are a flamboyance or a stand of flamingos. Owls, this might be my favorite, a parliament of owls <laughs> or a study. The other problem is owls don't really flock much. Um, pelicans, squadron. A oh. squadron of pelicans. A squadron of pelicans. Hawks <laughs> and or Falcons. I don't know why they got to be lumped together. They've always hated that. I talked to a few of my Hawk and, and Falcon friends and they're like. Not a fan. Like we're different. We're like, I'm a Hawk. And he's like, ah, and the other one's just going, ah, like Falcons don't talk. Hawks do. Um, they're a cast, a cauldron, or a kettle. And then chickens are a brood. I mean. I, I feel like a squadron of pelicans is the most incredible name for a group. Hey, look over there. That squadron of pelicans are an attack formation. Ducks <laughs> are called a raft. 
geese are a gaggle. We knew that. Mm -hmm. What the heck are grosbeaks? They got it worse. First of all, there's these birds called grosbeaks, and they also are called a gross when they're all together. Grosbeaks? They're probably like, hey, my name's Jeremy. Why are you calling <laughs> me gross? Their beaks look they, they look like finches. Why are they called grosbeaks? They're called grosbeaks? Yeah, they look beautiful. It's a great bird. They are that the bird's face, if you Google grosbeak at home, G-R-O-S-B-E-A-K, you will see the first picture. That bird looks like he knows he's called a gross, and he's like, <laughs> So apparently it comes from the Latin gross and becus, meaning large beaks. Oh, because it's bigger than a normal finch. Classic, classic uh, English word stealing there. They took literally the Latin terminology. Interesting. I still feel like that's insulting. They are, they are normal birds. They are very normal. Clovers, just, a congregation. Now I just think they're going for alliteration. Pheasants, a bouquet. Uh, that makes sense. I tried to give someone a bouquet of pheasants once, and they were like, <laughs> what are you doing? These are live birds. And they got loose. <laughs> oh, am I supposed to take care of these? You've given me a job. You've given me a task. But no, it's, uh, I don't know. I'd say, I think I agree with you. Squadron's pretty cool. I like the Parliament of Owls, though. That That is a pretty solid one. Lucas, before we get into the more serious conversation, let's kind of get back into hockey here for a moment. We're going to be going through the NCDC top 10. We had scout cast this past week. What maybe were your first highlights of scout cast? What would you say to folks at home who might not have taken in the first couple scout casts here? What were your first couple highlights? Well, I think the thing that scout cast showed me uh, was that there is that the, it, is a, it is a pretty unique way of, of breaking down a junior hockey game. And I think it actually fits really well with what the NCDC is, is trying to do, right? Trying to, trying to develop these players, trying to get players onto the next level. And, you know, yes, it can, yes, it is helpful to have the normal game uh, presentation. I think it's great for fans. And I think scouts and, you know, scouts can watch it as a, as if it were a game as well, but I think it it helps to have these occasional um, deeper dives, right? It, it lets us look at players that are not necessarily up on the score sheet in greater detail. Because when you have a game presentation, you're focused on your your playmakers, your goal scorers, the action's always on the puck. But I think it allows us to kind of go a little bit more behind the scenes um, and really focus on players that, don't show up on the score sheet. The biggest example that comes to mind for me from that junior Bruins, Northern Cyclones game, number five, Julian Brown, the defenseman originally came off to us on the line sheet because he was an 06, six, two on the website. It looks like six, two and three quarters. I give Mike oh. Anderson credit for, <laughs> I use the same trick. I'm five, eight and five eights. I round, I tend to round up. Well, that's, uh, the, that's the height and um, the height and weight committee there they had with working with RinkNet. I mean, they had Commissioner Bob Churl and Kevin Evans out. They had a crew in where they got they got actual heights and weights for the, the college scouts at home. So they knew that the height of all the players and they knew that it was vetted so that because, you know, back in the day. Right. Like Dan, <laughs> Dan K was six, four on the scorecard. Like <laughs> Dan K ain't six, four in real life. Dan K was six, four on the scorecard. Like felt good about that 6-4. I felt, I felt like that was a reasonable number to list myself at. 
until you walk out of the locker room and like stand next to a buddy I used to play with, Mike Anastasio, who was six foot eight, and you're like, man, I look like <laughs> the little brother. This is definitely I am not six four. You are yeah. an actual six eight. I am a fake six four. <laughs> until the Dan K Show video episodes came out, I listed myself at six four, uh, and then that was oh. very clearly not going to work. <laughs> um, but I think I think it helps us highlight guys like Julian Brown. So two thirteen, six two and three quarters. He's got two assists in 11 games, but we were able to kind of bring the action back to him and talk about his play in the neutral zone, his big hits along the boards, the way he can, he is a commanding presence all over the ice and highlight guys like that. And I think that's the biggest thing because it, it, the college scouts are not always scouting for, you know, 40 goals and 20 assists, right? You have to find other guys who can fit into your specific system and everything that we've been hearing from college coaches and scouts is they want guys they can mold and they want guys that can respond well to coaching. Yeah. Right. You're never, you're never going to build a whole team of guys who fit your system. You have to bring in some guys who can learn a system. So I think, I think being able to highlight different aspects of players, talk about their GPAs, talk about their academics, do some extended interviews, Dan on the bench, uh, you did a great job kind of changing the focus of the interview, right. Is, is bringing it into the scout cast model. I think, I think you should go back and watch it. Um, you know, as a fan, it may be a little bit different, um, but I certainly think that as a coach or a scout, it is, it is very helpful. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing for me to watch during ScoutCast is it's a, it's a different product that you're scouting than, than what you're used to as an NCAA Division I scout, right? And at the NCDC level, these are athletes that, that are eyes set on NCAA Division I hockey. And it's it's always hard to change our ways in scouting any sport. Like when I was scouting baseball, I knew my places I needed to go. Right? You start to you start to get into your pipelines, and it's great to have a pipeline, but the pipeline's not always going to have the best materials in it for your roster. Right? A lot of times, it's the guys who are willing to step aside from the pipeline and drive down the road the extra mile, or pop on the extra hockey TV game that weekend that wind up with a diamond in the rough that everyone missed out on, i.e. a guy who we talked about with Bill Flanagan, Will Gavin. Will Gavin could not get a Division One look to save his life, right, Lucas? Like, this was a, an undersized forward who everyone kept telling Bill Flanagan, he's a he's a great Division Three player, great Division Three player, great Division Three player. And if it doesn't tell you enough that NCAA Division Three is stellar in terms of ability level because of the missed players that play throughout NCAA Division Three, because of the guys that grow through systems like the USPHL here at the junior hockey ranks, that is that is one story. But the other story is Will Gavin gets a chance at Air Force and goes to the Air Force Academy. Scores more points last season than he did in his final NCDC campaign. It doesn't get easier at NCAA Division One, Lucas. You don't get more chances at NCAA Division One. He scored more points in NCAA Division One than he scored at Air Force. Uh, more points at NCAA Division One at Air Force than he did at the NCDC level. This kid was the right pick. And my favorite sign, sound bit of the entire weekend was Bill Flanagan saying they missed out. Shame on them, right? And you look at it. Cyclones are fun to watch. You look at the you look at the uh, the Rockets. Cam Bergman is a guy who comes to mind. Like Bergman was just on stop, nonstop on fire. Lights camera Bergman. You you look at our Wednesday game in Twin City. Trace Norwell with two goals, just missing a hat trick on an empty net. That's an undersized forward that kind of looks like a Will Gavin. 
That's a guy who skates well without the puck, isn't afraid to take the hit and make the play. It's another guy who might get overlooked for a little while, and that's what ScoutCast is all about. It's putting the spotlight on those young athletes, on those players, and changing the mold. Lucas, the other thing we want to put a spotlight on today is a little more serious topic. And look, we've been on a road since this big incident happened that kind of sparked me wanting to have this conversation after seeing many friends, family members, and and beyond in the in the game of hockey, baseball, football, every sport imaginable. Bike riding, like every competition that involves any type of movement also brings with it what we saw on Thursday Night Football a few weeks back, Lucas, while we were in Pueblo, with Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah. And that is what we're going to talk about here on today's podcast. For the end of this thing, I want to talk to players at home about head injuries about just kind of what we talk about, that toughness ends at the shoulders. What do we mean by that? What are we saying when we say it? And what are some of the things that we should be keeping an eye on as parents, as coaches, and as players when on the bench with our players in a contact sport? Lucas, that, that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I mean, we we watched that game. We are in Pueblo. Um, and, I mean, that is that is terrifying. That is terrifying as a fan. I cannot imagine being a friend or family member of Tua in that moment, having to watch it. And, you know, Amazon Amazon handling the camera work for that. I, I don't know if if showing that again and again was the right move. Nope. Um, I would actually go so far as to say is maybe don't do that um, when someone's having a traumatic brain episode on the field. Um, but I think it did show everyone a pretty stark reminder of how careful we all need to be, especially people playing contact sports. And, you know, sometimes you do need to see that to remind yourself of what the consequences are if you don't take care of brain injuries and brain problems and the brain in general. Yeah, 100 percent. And Lucas you look at the conversations that always surround hockey. And the problem is that we kind of talk about this in a journalistic sense before we get into everything. There is, there's so many conversations in junior hockey that are had by people who refuse to ever give you actual information, do any research other than just, I'm mad that I didn't get money from X, so I'm going to make up some crazy story, put it into a chat room, and then everyone's going to talk about it. And that's what most journalism sadly is in junior hockey. And the same kind of goes for the conversation about concussions because it's a conversation no one wants to have, right? It's a tough conversation. And you watch Ice Guardians, the documentary. If you haven't watched it as, as fans of hockey at home, go watch it. It's a great, great piece of work. Yeah, guys like who we've met, Scotty Parker, the sheriff, Josh Gratton in it from the USPHL, a lot of guys who fought. And for years in hockey, as uh, without the understanding of, of head injuries, the conversation's always got to get fighting out of the game. We've got to get fighting out of the game. We've got to get fighting out of the game. And you look at the actual medical numbers and the statistics and the research, 
the fighting was the least of the worries, right? Most of our head injuries in hockey are happening around the boards. They're happening on awkward hits. They're happening on plays where guys are using their body with new, better equipment than ever before to as, as almost missiles, right? And shooting up towards the shoulder and head region and causing contact injuries at that moment or injuries where players are taken down into the boards and their head hits ice or board. Both of those things do not move. They do not give, and they are not good for our brains and our heads. And as we stay away from the topic that needs to be talked about, we continue to say, well, no, we're not fighting as much anymore. Like we have to remember Lucas, that head injuries, the majority of them happen in the ice play, right? Getting rid of fighting at the junior hockey level. I enjoy in the USPHL because you're trying to go to college and you can't fight in college and you're going to miss games in college. We don't want guys to miss games in college. But we still have to worry about our head. We still have to worry about the, the what's going on on the ice when guys are making plays, making hits, especially in a world where a lot of guys were in cages. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's exactly it, right? Because the thing is, is you can pad your shoulders. You can pad every part of your body, but you can't pad the brain, right? And these injuries are caused by sudden changes in direction at great force. That is that is what this is, right? There is a, an old joke on on Top Gear, so uh, you know, show, car show on BBC that it's not the speed that gets you; it's the stopping when yep. you're racing cars, and and that's incredibly true because as this equipment gets better, players feel more invincible, right? Especially younger players. I mean they they talk about how you know the risk centers of the brain don't really develop um, until you're about 22, 23. And the brain not really being fully formed until you're 25. That's a lot of junior hockey before you before you develop the risk centers of your brain, before your brain is fully developed. So these young players don't necessarily understand the potential consequences. They see an opportunity to get a big hit. They want to make a big hit. They want to get the guys fired up, right? That is that is what the culture of hockey is and getting the boys fired up is, you know, again, to, to make the point, it is a part of the game, right? But what the role of the coaches, the trainers, the parents has to be is that there's a difference between a solid clean hit and a dangerous hit, right? Full speed across the ice into the boards at 16, 17, 18 might not be the way to always go, especially if you're hitting high. And so I think it's a conversation that has to happen between coaches and parents and players who, again, risk centers don't develop until you're 21. Brain doesn't develop until you're 25. Those two ages are outside of junior hockey. So I think the responsibility falls on coaches and parents and training staffs to really drill into these kids how dangerous those types of huge high hits can be. And the responsibility also falls to these people to be overly cautious with the player. You said, Dan, toughness stops at the shoulders, right? Yep. You want to you grit out. Uh, uh, we've heard of players gritting out broken hands, sprained ankles, coming back quickly after, you know, dislocations, right? But when you have a brain injury, when you take a big hit, if you get up and you're seeing stars and you're feeling woozy and you wake up the next day and you're still feeling woozy, you're feeling like you don't have, you know, you don't feel like you felt yesterday, 
that's a huge warning bell. And, and coaches and training staffs and parents need to take a step back and have some perspective on that, that if, if some if some player tells you that, you have to help them. And players, I mean, Dan, I'm sure you're going to echo the same thing, but if you tell somebody that, a coach, a trainer, a parent, and they tell you to suck it up, I mean, I, I just reach out to us and let us know because that is completely unacceptable. Yeah, and I want to turn the conversation here to, look, it's not it's not all bad when it comes to hockey, right? And no. what, what we look at is hockey of the contact sports is the safest statistically when it comes to brain injury, right? And one of the good things is that you're on skates, right? The body does give a little bit more when you're getting hit. The hits are less. Where in, when you're talking football, it's constant contact, especially on a line of scrimmage, right? It's constant constant again and again pounding away for a lot of the positions in the game of football in hockey you, you can you can play a career and, and never once deal with a head injury right it is a sport where just numbers wise it is a safer contact sport than the others that is a positive that is the great part about this game so this is an all bad conversation but this is a conversation for the guys that Lucas, one of the things I want to point out is verbiage and it's something that I dealt with as an athlete. It's something I have watched good friends deal with who today still talk about. They do not feel the same because of those seeing stars moments, those cobwebs, those woozy mornings. We you, we have these words that are all other ways to describe a concussion. <laughs> and we you, and like I laugh because it's frustrating because I've watched people's careers come to an end down the road because they were just woozy or they were just seeing stars or they were just cobwebs or they got the wind knocked at them. Yeah. Like, and in those moments, it's important. We, we have to know that the toughest thing about a concussion and it's what we saw with Tua Tunga Vailoa, the toughest thing with it is a lot of times we do have to diagnose ourselves. Like, Tua's case was special because there is there's so many doctors that are paid at that level of the sport to, that I think we all as non-doctors at home could watch that first injury and see what had happened and see that he did not injure his ankle. And that's not why he could not walk. And that when your offensive linemen are telling you as a star quarterback, get off the field, that they saw it too. It did not take much. The eye test was enough with Tua. But the eye test is not always enough. I, I know for myself, I dealt with three concussions in my time playing baseball. <laughs> and all three times I played through, I was woozy. I, I remember playing, it like, you play contact sports growing up, the same situations. Like, you, you kind of, you forget moments. You blip. You you go through these these instances where you do not you, you just don't really remember a moment maybe something goes away and what we need to just remember is that we are our own recording structure when it comes to our head and when it comes to that moment where we wear that hit and we go to the bench and we know that hey man that light flashed for a moment right that bright light we all know what that looks like anybody who's dealt with concussion you know what that that flashing moment is that stop sign and what happened with Tua, what happens with athletes nationwide, worldwide in sports, 
concussions can be dealt with and your brain can heal what needs to be healed if you give it the proper time. What happens is we continue to put the brain through that traumatic event. And the traumatic event needs to be less traumatic for the bad to happen each time we do that. Look at the difference between the two hits that Tua dealt with in a week's time, right? The first one was vicious. It was a hard hit. He went to the ground hard. The second time, he kind of lost his footing as he was being swung around and just barely kind of hit his head against the ground. And the injury was twice as severe with half of the impact, half of that that problem that that originally called the caused the issue. And it, it's just important that we understand when we need to go to the trainer, when we need to go to the doctor. And it does not make us weak to deal with head injuries. You can play through any injury from the shoulder down, man. You can play through almost anything. It's it's when we're talking about the head, no matter what, if you are the greatest hockey player of all time, if you decide to be Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, you decide to be Wayne Gretzky and you go play in the NHL, God willing, you are going to have a lot more years of life left whenever you are done playing hockey. And you want to have everything you need to get through life. You want to be able to enjoy those years. Like the best hockey players of all time, you're stopping at 40. You're Yaramir, you're going to 50. Like you, there is still a lot of time left in life and there are a lot of good years to live. And you just, you have to take care of your head. It is the most important thing we've got. It is, it is what runs the entire rest of the system. So it's just important. Like I, I just remind you all, Lucas, like it's kind of echoing what you said. It is when you start hearing words that are kind of dwarfing what you know what you're dealing with, take a step back. We saw a team recently do an incredible job with big hits. I watched guys go to the bench. Coach said, give me the helmet, took the lid from them, sent them over to the trainer, sat with the trainer for a shift or two. Trainer went, okay, you're okay. Nothing happened. You're good to go. Player goes back, takes the lid back, gets on the ice. You love to see that. You love to see initiative. You love to see a coach kind of taking the question out of the player's hand. And that's what we hope all of our coaches do. It's what we echo. And the reason why we're having this podcast, we hope our coaches do, is, is take it seriously as well. Because I have watched too many careers end with guys sitting in a dark room with no TV on, trying to just get their bearings straight. Because they were they – were, gutting it out as we say in hockey right or in any sport they were they were battling through they were being a warrior you know they fought through the pain it is it is different than pain when we're talking about that it is it is important to avoid successive injuries in a short period of time to our brains and that is just something watching Tua Lucas and I talked a few weeks back I said I just I just feel like we need to have a little bit of time on this topic we have a lot of young athletes. We have a lot of parents. We have a lot of families. And we're playing for a lot on the line. Why did Tua play, Lucas? He played because there was money on the line. He didn't get the bag yet, right? He didn't secure the bag. Tua is a guy who's dealt with injuries his whole career. So what is he thinking when he goes down and he gets a concussion? He's thinking, oh, no. I'm Tua, the injury-prone quarterback. I got to go to the bench now. I can't play today. What is a doctor's job in that situation? What is a coach's job in that situation? To look and say, bigger things right now. You're not going to lose your job to injury. There's a reason why they used to have a saying, even in the NFL, the sport that deals with injuries, 
worse than anybody. They used to have, you can't lose your job from an injury, right? You can come back and you can try to earn it back. And the reason why was to get guys to actually tell you they were injured. So you could figure out what was going on. So it's just, I know we have a lot of the line. I, I know we're trying to get to the NCAA. I know we're trying to get to whatever school we want to get to, or we're trying to go pro or whatever our step is, depending on where we are in junior hockey. I promise you that you will be a better asset to anyone in life, hockey, job, family, whatever, if you take care of head injuries as they approach. They're going to happen to some of our players around the country at every level of this game, no matter how safe we all are. We could bubble wrap ourselves. Head injuries happen, okay, to judging by a guy who took a line drive to the head when he was pitching. They happen in any sport. Like, you don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know how they're going to happen. They can happen. The important part is stopping for a moment. And understanding, let me get this checked out. Let me talk to a medical professional. And then once they clear me, I get back on the ice so I do not have successive head injuries. Yeah, I think the bottom line is you get one brain and that's it. So, you know, take care of it. And like I said before, there's a lot of injuries you can fight through, but a brain injury, a head injury is not one of them. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're here to help. If anybody, you know, we're certainly not medical professionals, but Dan has played a a lot of years of athletics. He has been through a lot of different systems. He's always here for a good perspective. So again, if you, if anybody feels like they need help with anything, as always, you can reach out to us on social media at the underscore Dan K show. You can also reach out to us, dankshow.com backslash hire. If you want to do that as well, there is a contact form at the bottom of that page. But I think I, I think this was one of those things that we had just been kind of kicking around for a couple of weeks and felt like it was still there. It still needed to be talked about even a couple of weeks after the initial incidents. And, you know, I think especially so now that the reports are, Dan, that Tua might be coming back and playing either this upcoming week or next week. And I just again, I'm not a medical professional, but to my eye test, that that just seems like a lot. Yeah. And, it, and it's you never know. You don't know what exactly what the actual diagnosis is. But when you look, when you hear people who sound to be in the know and their thought process on it, it does not sound like an injury that should be healed at this point. Right. And it's just, we all want to, we all want to be the the Spartan warrior. We've all watched 300. And if we haven't, like if you do, you, you leave the theater. I remember I saw that thing in theaters and I wanted to go to war as a Spartan soldier, right? Like, we all want to run through a wall. We all want to be the guy who our team knows that we're going to like Ryan McDonough putting his foot in an ice bath when he had multiple broken bones. But there's a difference between a little extra time or maybe some some surgery to reconstruct a foot that you hurt a little bit too much because you played through pain when a doctor tells you it's okay to do it. And being somebody who tries to play through brain injury. It is, it is just a different thing. It is not something we can see. A lot of times the, the things going on behind the scenes in the brain are silent and we feel them. We know them. We, and, and as somebody who's been through the situation of it all, like who's tried to be the tough guy before as somebody who has definitely made some choice, some choices in his playing career to keep himself on the field of play that, maybe a medical professional wouldn't have agreed with at, at certain times. Like I get it. I've been there. And it's just, it was, you have to look at this moment as parents, as coaches, as players, 
as this has to be a team effort. It's a team effort to keep all of our players safe. And again, the good news, Lucas, I want to end it on a good note. Like hockey is, when you look at contact sports, the safest sport for head injuries. And it's because right. of playing on ice. It's because there isn't constant contact. There isn't constant hitting. It is, so that is the biggest positive of it. So we're not looking at it as, oh, man, this is this is some like the the same problems that we have in football where you're trying to figure out how do we stop offensive line and defensive line from continuously hitting each other. The game would have to completely change. There's not something you have to change in hockey. All it is is it's just it's awareness for when it does happen. It's just knowing how to respond to it. That's all. That's all we're talking about here. It's, it's talking about when you do get faced with a head injury or you think you have been. Go check out. Go talk to the train. Have that conversation. Walk through it. Don't be afraid to go over there. There was there was a time in sports where when they first started to work on these concussion protocols, I still remember walking in all the athletes in the fall, going through our concussion protocol trainings and going through our baseline testing and just hearing hearing guys and gals talking about, well, I'm going to do bad. Right. So that if I do get a head injury, I'm going to come back in these baseline tests. I'm going to I'm going to ace them. It's going to look like I'm great. And it's like that helps nobody helps. Absolutely. Nobody doesn't help yourself. Take everything seriously. This this is serious stuff. This is and and you see it. If Tua doesn't paint the picture for you, that's it's a good picture to pay attention to right there. So keep your athletes safe and and keep yourself safe For, for the guys watching, for the gals watching that are on the ice, playing around the country, playing around the world. It, you are you are the first line of defense when it comes to when it comes to your brain and, and those types of, of injuries. And we what we need is our coaches and our parents backing you up. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Support your young athletes that are that are out there playing the sport. Be responsive to them, and uh, you know it, it's it goes across the board. Just be a role model for your 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 athletes, whether you're a coach or whether you're a parent. And you know, I think we can we can all try to work together to improve the sport. Dan, it was been a, uh, I think a really good conversation again. Something we wanted to to make sure that we had, and and like we said, we are we are happy to continue to be a part of the game of hockey. Happy to be able to continue to talk about things that, you know, we think are huge parts of the game that we think matter to a lot of people. And if anybody has any questions or anybody wants to continue the conversation, you can always reach out to us. We are we are at the underscore Dan K Show, dankshow.com backslash higher. We would uh, we would love to talk to you. Yeah, we'd love to have a conversation. Lucas, your parting words. Nothing. That's good. I like it. I was hoping you could have amplified your leaf blower guy because mine is in the background as well right now, leaf blowing. For me, I also say thank you to my leaf blower guy for being a part of the podcast. Thank you to Lucas's leaf blower guy for being a part of the podcast. And thank you to all of you who listen at home. The Dan K Show. Our sponsors, Remastered Sleep. You can get 10% off today with Dan K Show 2022 at checkout. That is remasteredsleep.com. It is the water bottle of your dreams. It'll help you sleep better. Easy for me to say. Selly Salt, sprinkle a little bit on your next dinner, on your next meal, on your next steak, and take that meal to a hockey level of success only rivaled by a hat trick or a shutty in net. Next up, Body Trick, body-trick.com. They've got hair care products. They've got a little bit of Icy Hot for your athlete. They've also got Penalty Kill Spray. It will take the stink out of any of your hockey gear. 
I promise Dan K spilled a teaspoon's worth in his car and it still smells fresh from that penalty kill spray. Body-trick.com, the best part, all natural ingredients for you, your family, and your hockey player. The Pueblo Bulls, Run With The Bulls, our presenting sponsor of the Dan K Show. If you are a team that wants to work with us the way the Pueblo Bulls do, you can reach out. DanKShow.com, all of our offerings, the best thing about our show, public. It's all for you. You can see everything we do. We keep the front door open because we want you to understand how the business ticks here at the Dan K Show and what we are doing it for. It is for the players, hashtag player first. Dan K, that's me, DanKShow.com. That's our website, at the underscore Dan K Show. That's our social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Keep watching hockey fans and hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We had a little bit of everything. Thank you for listening to the most watched show in junior hockey, the Dan K Show, presented by the Pueblo Bulls. For more information about the Dan K Show, head to www.dankshow.com.